0: Welcome to CBS Mornings On The Go. I'm Gail
1: King. And I'm Nick Burleson. Ahead on CBS Mornings, more of Prince Harry's wide-ranging conversation with Anderson Cooper, including why he calls his stepmother, Camilla, the villain. Also, his tough words for the British press who he says were out to, quote, hunt for the royal racist. Tina Brown and Roy will join us to break it all down. Plus, Emmy Award-winning anchor Deborah Norville is here to celebrate 35 seasons of Inside Edition and share some of her favorite memories from the show. This episode of
2: CBS Mornings on the Go will begin right after this. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com/wondery. That's rocketmoney.com/wondery. rocketmoney.com/wondery. We all have busy lives these days and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works.
0: We're going to begin right away with the fallout from Prince Harry's memoir. And a new memoir, his very revealing interview last night on 60 Minutes. Harry spoke to Anderson Cooper before the release of his book, it's called Spare, it comes out tomorrow. It tells a very personal story of his often difficult life and repeatedly accuses other family members of improving their public image by making him look bad. Holly Williams is outside Buckingham Palace where the other royals, or saying nothing in public at this time about the Duke of Sussex allegations. Holly, good morning to you. A lot to discuss.
3: That's right, Gail. Good morning. Well, by his own admission, Prince Harry is a traumatised man who comes from a troubled family, which is not especially unusual. But we're now hearing unprecedented details about Harry's accusation that his own family members used the tabloid press against him and his wife, Meghan.
4: She was the villain. She was the third person in the marriage. She needed to rehabilitate her image.
3: That's Prince Harry talking about his stepmother, the Queen Consort Camilla, and King Charles's mistress during his marriage to Harry's mother, Diana. Harry claims in his new book, Spare, that he was, quote, sacrificed on Camilla's personal public relations altar.
5: How was she dangerous?
4: Because of the need for her to rehabilitate her image.
5: That made her dangerous?
4: That made her dangerous because of the connections that she was forging within the British press. And there was open willingness on both sides to trade of information.
3: And it wasn't just Camilla, he claims, but other family members and their staff feeding information to the media that was damaging to Harry and his wife, Meghan. He describes an already dysfunctional family turned toxic.
4: If you are led to believe as a member of the family that being on the front page, having positive headlines, positive stories written about you, is going to improve your reputation or increase the chances of you being accepted as monarch by the British public, then that's what you're going to do.
3: Some here in the UK accuse Harry of hypocrisy for spilling the family secrets himself. And he was questioned about that in an interview on Britain's ITV.
4: You've just put enormous amounts of private conversations in the public domain. I mean, wouldn't your brother say to you, Harry, how could you do this to me? After everything we went through, wouldn't that be what he would say? He'd probably say all sorts of different things, but, you know, for the last however many years, let's just focus on the last six years, the level of planting and leaking from other members of the family means that, in my mind, they have written countless books.
3: One of the latest attacks on Meghan in a British tabloid was from a commentator, reportedly a friend of Camilla's, saying he dreamed of the Duchess being made to parade naked through the streets while the crowds throw lumps of excrement at her.
5: Has there been any response from the palace?
4: No, and that comes a point when silence is betrayal.
3: At this point, the Duke says he's no longer communicating with his father or his brother.
5: I assume they would say, well, how can we trust you? How do we know that you're not gonna reveal whatever conversations we have in an interview
4: somewhere? This all started with them briefing daily against my wife with lies, to the point of where my wife and I had to run away from, our, from my country.
3: So far, there's been no official response from the palace. Harry's book is released tomorrow. He says he doesn't think that King Charles or Prince William will read it, but says that he hopes they will. Gail.
0: Yeah, I haven't gotten my copy. I can't wait to read it when it comes out tomorrow. Holly, I just heard you say no comment from the royal family, but what are the people on the streets in the UK, what are they saying?
3: You know, what's really interesting this morning, Gail, is that most of the British newspapers have not picked up on the main theme of these interviews and the book, as far as I see it, which is this arguably toxic relationship between the royal family and the media.
0: Yeah, there's so much more to the book as well. Thank you, Holly. Harry also discussed family quarrels over his relationship with his wife, Meghan Markle. They spoke to Oprah back in 2021 in an interview that aired right here on CBS. Now, in that conversation, Harry and Meghan claimed that a family member voiced concerns about their son Archie's skin color. In last night's interview, Harry admitted he did not consider those comments to be racist.
5: In your interview with Oprah, probably one of the the most explosive claims came from Meghan, which was that a member of the royal family wondered how dark your child's skin would be. That wasn't brought up in Netflix or in the book. Why?
4: The way the British press reacted to that was fairly typical. Um, There was like a hunt for the raw racist. Neither of us believe that that comment or that experience or that opinion was based in racism, unconscious bias, yes. But I think that you speak to the majority, maybe not all, but the majority of mixed race couples around the world. that the white side of the family would wonder whether talking openly about it or amongst themselves, what the kids are gonna look like. The key word here was concern, as opposed to curiosity. But the way that the British press, what they turned it into was not what it it was
5: but you stand by that that happened but you just didn't feel the need to
4: No but what else did I say at the end of at the uh, within the Oprah interview
5: that you would not discuss it further
4: Exactly
0: and he is sticking by that. With us now from London and CBS News contributor, that's Roy Anika. She's a royal editor of the Sunday Times in London, and she's covered Britain's monarchy for more than a decade now. Good morning to you, Roy Annika You're the perfect person to have on this morning, the day after the interview. What did you make of Harry's explanation just now that he's not going to discuss it um, and leaving it out of the book? About the racism. Well, good morning, Gail. Um, good morning.
6: Good morning. Good morning. I have to say, I'm very perplexed by this U-turn and this explanation here because the best part of two years, that narrative has been allowed to run. And I just have to say, I know the default reaction here has been to blame the British press for almost everything, but we all remember the reality that when those comments were made in that Oprah interview, media and commentators around the world interpreted it as there was some sort of issue of racism within the royal family. And let's not forget that it's just a few weeks ago... Harry and Meghan attended the Ripple of Hope Gala in New York and collected an award that was billed for their courage in standing up to structural racism within the royal family. So what Harry is saying now is very different to the narrative they've, they've been happy to let run for the last two years. It's very perplexing.
0: Well, the narrative that they haven't let go of is the, the complications that they have, the complicated relationship they have with the British press. And I'm curious about your thoughts about this. Throughout the book and in many interviews, he says, listen, the British press and the royal family, the institution, if you will, are in cahoots that the two get together and come up with stories, plant stories that are negative to him and to Meghan. What can you speak? To, what can you say about that? Does he have a point
6: here? I can only speak from my own experience of doing this job for 12 years. And in 12 years of being a royal correspondent and a royal editor, I have never had someone from a royal household ring me up in the office or at home to say, let me tell you this awful detail about a member of the royal family. That is, that is not how it works in terms of how I work. It tends to be me taking stories to the households for comment and for briefing, But that was going on when Harry was inside the royal family, too. I would take stories about Harry to the royal family. His people would check things with him. He would have a certain thing to say about it, and that would be relayed back to me. That is my experience. I can't speak for the tabloid media, but in terms of sort of this broad-brush approach to the British press, that is not my experience of how I've done my job for 12 years. And and I'm pretty experienced in this role now.
0: Can you see how maybe they feel this way, though, Roya, based on their experience and the... Can, can you see how maybe this is how they feel because this seems to be their reality?
6: I, I, I absolutely do. I can see how they feel that, you know, they, they talked about it a lot. I completely understand that there are some elements of the media that Harry has a real problem with and he feels you know, extremely antagonized by them. I can see how he feels that they've made certain bits of his relationship with his family difficult. But I think... What's tricky is, you know, there's a lot in the the Anderson Cooper interview last night and in the ITV one suggesting that it is, you know, his breakdown of the relationship with his family is almost completely at the British press's feet and that, you know, his father and his brother have a completely distorted view of reality because of what they read in the media. I think members of the royal family can think for themselves. I do completely understand where he's coming from in terms of feeling very antagonised and that certain bits of the press he has found very difficult to deal with but I think, you know, you've got to take a step back and, and remember, and I think he's forgotten, that a lot of us traveled around the world with him reported on all the great work that he and Meghan did for many years. And that seems to have been wiped out of the picture.
1: Royal, in an article for Sunday Times, you say Prince William is a punching bag for Harry. Now, although he may be silent, you believe that he is burning inside. Tell us what you have learned about his reaction to all of this.
6: Well, I did speak to a few of his very close friends last week to get a, an understanding of how he is feeling and, and that quote, you know, outside he's handling it OK, inside he's burning. He's devastated. I think he feels, and some of his friends feel, that you know, a lot has gone on in that family. It is a family that's, that has its complications like all families, but I think he never thought Harry would go quite as far as he has. Um, and he's in a bind because Harry knows that William is not going to come out and address every single allegation. It's just not, it's not how William rolls, um, but he, he's hurting. The royal family are hurting, but so is Harry. I thought one of the most saddest quotes mm. from, from last night's interviews was Harry saying, I don't recognize my family and I don't think they recognize me. It's really sad yeah. and there's a long way to go for reconciliation.
0: I think it is sad. Do you think there will be a reconciliation? Harry makes it clear that he would like to have a, his father, he would like to have his brother, do you think, but he also says he wants accountability. Do you think this is likely?
6: Um, I really hope so. I mean, that was the strong message I was getting from sources close to Harry before Christmas. You know, they wanted a summit. They wanted an apology. They want accountability. The problem is, Gail, that, that, that is trust. Um, how can they, you know, there's, there's an issue with the royal family being able to sit down and talk and speak and, and, and hope that will stay private. But I know deep down, all sides down the line would like reconciliation. So let's hope, let's keep our fingers crossed they can, they can heal their wounds.
1: Yes, yes. Over a decade of covering the royal family, your information is valuable. Roy and Nika, thank you. In
0: this clip from 60 Minutes Overtime, Harry says he understood his mother better after he became a father.
5: Having been through what you've been through now, do you understand your mom differently? In what sense? In a deeper way.
4: Of what she was going through?
5: I think one thing I've realized about grief and loss is that one's relationship with somebody who's died continues. And your understanding of them actually can change over time. Having been through what you went through with the family, with your wife, the press, do you understand your mother from a different angle?
4: Over the years, I have understood it more, but yes, certainly as a a parent to two little kids, I'm starting to comprehend the position that she was in as a mother, single parent, trying to look after two boys with this intense media harassment. It wasn't online then, it was very much physical. She was being chased for the majority of her life when she got together with my father. It got so much worse after the divorce. So I've done and continue to do everything I can to make sure that that doesn't happen to my family because it certainly doesn't seem as though the British press have changed their ways.
0: And she was literally chased. CBS News Royal contributor, that's Tina Brown, joins us. She's in London this morning. Good morning to you, Tina. I can't wait to hear what you have to say, what you're hearing, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. I know you watched Anderson's interview and certainly the ITV interview both ran last night. What stood out to you? And did you see a
7: difference between the American interview and the interview in the UK? Well I think what obviously was deeply moving in both was to hear about the agony of this young child that lost his mother. You know, there's no doubt that I think what he said to Anderson about how he, you know, pretended to himself or believed that his mother might come back, that she hadn't really died, uh, was incredibly touching, because it's what a child does. They live with magical thinking. Their mummy's gonna come back. So that I found enormously moving. But when he starts to move in both the interviews and when he moves into what's been happening in the last few years, then I start to feel that Harry's doing some gaslighting himself, frankly, because the fact is that, you know, here he is, like, selling out his family for money, essentially, when he's talked so often about the agony of being betrayed. He also—you know, he was quite happy to have the palace spin on his behalf when it suited him. Because, as he describes, you know, he was doing a tremendous amount of drugs. He was totally out of hand. You know, he was really out of control. And yet the palace had to go out and sort of clean up after him and spin and kill stories and make things go away. They were always doing that for Harry. So he doesn't acknowledge that there's a two-way street here. And finally, you know, when I was uh, reporting my book, The Palace Papers, I, I, I talked to so many people who were so close to William and Harry. These two, one of them said to me, I've never seen two brothers that close. Now, their relationship definitely took a big downturn when Harry left the army came into civilian life and essentially had it rubbed into his face that things had changed. He was now very much the number two. His brother was on the path to be king. That was painful for him to behold because there's only two years between them and Diana had raised them the same. But that was when it began to really curdle, when he understood, finally felt, as opposed to new notionally, that he was the number two. That made him very bitter. But he's, he's definitely kind of rewriting history in the path of their relationship.
0: Is it selling out the family, Tina, if you've said, look, I've tried to talk to them privately about the harm that he believes has been caused and then the story is leaked and it's negative about you? I'm fascinated by the the belief that he's selling out his family when he says that he has tried privately to work behind the scenes and nothing ever changes.
7: Well, I know he says that, but he can never give any concrete examples. This is what's frustrating. I mean, let's hear some examples, Harry. Harry. Um, uh, I mean, it may well be in the book, which we have not yet read, so I don't want to say that and find that all those stories are there. But so far, he hasn't really been able to give us concrete examples of stories that he says are about him trying to make amends and them leaking it. I I think if that's true, that's that's horrific and horrible and and wrong. I'm not suggesting mm -hmm. that the palace haven't done their own, you know, evil work in leaking and planting. I'm sure they have. They all do. But frankly, you know, the last Netflix documentary that they did was a six part infomercial for themselves. It was all their version. Nobody. He keeps Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, his own story and he hasn't been told. It's been nothing but his story. We've actually not heard their story at all. And we still haven't. Tina, the coronation is May 6th. Do you think he will still be included in that? I think they're going to ask him, because I think they're very careful at the moment to try to give Harry no further reasons to go on another Grudgenor, quite honestly, which is what he does. I mean, if he don't, they don't ask him. Then that's another fuel for a yet another infomercial about how, look how mean they are to me. So, yeah, he'll be asked. Whether he'll play a big role, I don't know. But I'd like, I think everyone would like to see this family reunited. It's a, it's a painful thing to see these petty fights in public. I do, I do think people really want to see
0: them reconcile however, however they can do that. Tina, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
8: Safe travels. Don't forget to come thank back. You. Thank you.
2: <laughs> More from this episode of CBS Mornings after this short break.
8: This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500 When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high quality organic dairy, ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop.
9: Welcome back to CBS Morning. It's time to bring you some of the stories that are the talk of the table this morning. So, Gail, you're first up. What do you got?
0: Am I ready? You ready? Uh, Lizzo says, "Am I
1: ready?" I love that you song. I,
0: I do too. You got a throwback <laughs> feel to it, right? I, li- I like that too. We 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 stay ready here. My talk at the table is the end of an era, for a lot of people who used to rely on our friendly phone operators. Remember this? This is information. May
7: I help you? Yes, I'd like the new number of Wilson's Meat Market, 1191 Sycamore Street, please. One moment, please. <laughs>
9: I'm sad (laughs) that don't remember.
0: I I, I was going to say, I'm not (laughs) trying to go that old, people. I'm not talking about that. (laughs) Starting this month, millions of AT&T customers cannot dial 411 anymore, or even zero, to talk to a real person. Why? The company is cutting off operator services for those with landlines, saying most people now just get the information online. AT&T ended the service for wireless couples wireless customers, rather, back in 2021. Some other telecom companies still have operators, but you have to pay a fee. I mean, wow. I used to always, I haven't used 411 myself in a very long time, but I used to use it all the time, and of I course. remember years ago when I had a young assistant, I would say, what's the number? And she started doing this, i go, just call 411. Just 411. Nobody does that anymore. So that's Man. why it's gone. Sign of the times.
1: Oh, how hmm. things have, have changed. changed. That's For, for sure. the better. For yeah, the, for, the better. for the better. And here's another sign of the times. My talk at the table is the Seattle public school district where I went to school taking on some social media giants claiming they need to pay for the harm that they have done to our children. The school district is suing TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Snapchat. The lawsuit caused them to be held accountable for what the district calls the mental health crisis among our youth. Educators say it's become harder to teach students because of their growing anxiety, depression, eating disorders, and cyberbullying linked to online outlets. Schools also say they have to spend more money to hire more mental health staff and train teachers because of the effects of social media on the kids.
0: I don't know if suing uh, the tech giants is is the way to go here but it definitely is a problem. It well, definitely if, is an issue. If
1: you have to hire therapists and counselors and and you have to train these teachers for things other than just teaching, mm-hmm. they need the money. And you know, schools and teachers, they don't make a lot of money.
9: Right. I, I say therapy for all for the students yeah. and the teachers. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it is a challenging No doubt challenging about it.
1: Jerika, what you got?
9: All right. So, my talk of the table is a pair of stories from Florida, and there's a theme. <laughs> the first comes from an x ray machine at Tampa International Airport. This was the image of a oh. woman's carry on. Oh. That's Bartholomew. A four-foot boa constrictor. The woman told the agent it's her emotional support animal. Mm -hmm. Emotional support Mm -mm. animal. So creepy. The airline still didn't allow the snake on board. And this is the scene from a road in Florida's Everglades National Park. It's a massive 15-foot Burmese python. The woman who took this video (laughs) says she penned its location and reported it to authorities. What's going
1: on in Florida?
9: Listen, first of all, uh, Tony DeCoppo, who normally sits here, Uh tested uh, positive for COVID, which is why I'm here. He loves all things Florida. He's a Florida guy. You know, I had to sell that story. Did I sell you did.
1: it?
0: You set, I, I sold think, it. I think Tony would be proud. <laughs> think,
1: With a slither? Yeah. What but, would you do if you so, saw but somebody? But it's
0: so great, though, Nate, that she just jumped in. Jumped all right in. You're out mining your own business because Tony was here. The, no doubt. Hey, Rika, help. Yeah, what, what would I do? <laughs> what
1: would, what would you do, do if you saw somebody going through TSA and they had a snake in their bag?
9: I know. I, what would you do? Isn't I, I mean, that the I, I, I don't know what I would see do. see something, say something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm switching. <laughs> you Can't seats. sleep
1: on that flight. You know, there's a snake. Above or could and... you imagine? Because I, 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 like, I, I know, would say Here we go. I know you
9: travel first class. So here you go, getting what somebody you talking in 14A. Like, hey, you want to sit up front? <laughs> <laughs> you want to sit up front? <laughs> Little no. do they know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Then <laughs> Gail's all thrown off and I like, dang, why she gotta put me out there like
0: that. I'm like, payback is bad. Payback <laughs> is bad. Okay, I fly first class too. I'm like yeah.
9: that you, Gail.
0: <laughs> I, I know, but you didn't say we fly first class. Oh, okay, you no, know, Gail, I know you fly first class. Okay. All I know right. you I'm fly sorry, first we, class. We. Okay. Well, she ain't lying.
9: <laughs> I, I, I didn't say she was lying. I didn't say she
1: was Nate, lying. Nate, you got
9: a plane over there, so you really need to stop. <laughs> all
1: right, moving along. <laughs>
10: And today we are broadcasting from one of New York's best maternity wards. The reason is that about nine hours ago, I became the mother of this little girl, Micaela Katerina. She's fine, I'm fine, my husband thinks I'm crazy to be doing this, but as they say, the show must go on.
1: That's veteran TV host Deborah Norville anchoring Inside Edition from her own hospital bed after giving birth. Talk about a <laughs> superwoman. Yeah. It's just one of the many memorable moments from the show, which is celebrating its launch on this day back in 1989. And is now in its 35th season. How about that? Norville has been the face of Inside Edition for more than two decades, making her the longest-serving female news anchor on American television. Whoa. Deborah Norville, Whoa. thank you for joining us. How are you doing, yes, Deborah?
0: Yeah, happy anniversary.
10: Happy
1: <laughs> anniversary is right. Did so- you hear
0: that she said nine hours after giving birth? Nine yeah. hours. You, you, this yeah. was
10: not my choice, by the way. The producer called me up. It was a woman at the time. You Another. could have said no. I could have, but she said, "Deb, we're desperate. We have nobody." I'm like. Really? She said, would you come to the sidewalk and do the wraps for the show? We'll have you upstairs. I said, do you remember the outfits they give you? They're like open in the back. (laughs) Not happening. Got your booty all out. Here's the thing. If hospitals would have a hair and makeup person, because I said, I'll do it on one condition. You send hair and makeup an hour before the camera crew. They said, okay, fine. If it's okay with the hospital, which it was. If hospitals would have a hair and makeup person on the maternity ward staff, they would get all the baby business.
1: (laughs) That's that's right. You know, it's so funny you should
0: say that, because when I was looking at the clip, I went, God, your hair and makeup look so good. Did you do that? <laughs> I was actually thinking that. No, we wow. had professional help.
1: But what a moment, though, yeah, to yeah, take yeah. people inside um, after giving birth. Do you look back on that and, and you see what it, what it did for TV?
10: Well, I think what it did was um, just bring the audience closer in. Of course. You know, I mean, you guys create a family here on CBS Mornings, and that's what we try to do on Inside Edition. Our family is me and our amazing correspondents and the camera guys and producers who put everything together. And I think when you share a moment like that, you know, there was a time, Gail, when you and I started, where anything personal was just, it didn't happen. It was like you didn't have a personal life. I think that's been a healthy change both for those of
0: us who work in the business and for people who watch our programs. So 35 years of staying power, do you think... it's that you're just so fabulous or what do you think is the reason? (laughs) Um, In addition to you just being so fabulous. Well my husband
10: would say it's because I'm so fabulous. (laughs) I think the show has lasted 35 years because of the consistency of what we do and that is the consistency of variety. It's never the same thing. We've always been really consistent about trying to do investigative stories where we years ago when I started the show there had been a, a minivan that had a flaw in the back lid, the back hatch, that popped open in a side impact collision. Children were dying. Mm -hmm. We did a story about the faulty latch. They said they fixed it. We did a story about the fixed latch. It wasn't fixed. Mm -hmm. We held people to account. And I think when people realize, wow, this show's got my back. Mm -hmm. We don't do it every day. But we do that kind of solid journalism that helps people realize that, whoa, Inside Edition is a show that cares about the things that I care about. Mm -hmm. And when you create that kind of connection, people people trust you to do the right
0: thing well because you can do the solid journalism real journalism the entertainment you could do the wackadoodle stuff doodle stuff oh we do
10: yeah i mean every and the it's last all in story the same with, umbrella if there is a water skiing squirrel you will see it on inside Edition. <laughs>
1: yeah.
10: and please let us know if you have a squirrel that water yeah. skis we'd like to The
1: and shoot up Boom. after that Big time um you know you mentioned <laughs> the latch of the van but what really makes a good story for inside Edition? oh
10: that's a great question um it's the same thing for, for any television story. And actually, I learned it uh, when I worked here at CBS News on uh, the, one of the magazine shows. It's like you're walking down a corridor, you turn the corner, and you see something you didn't expect. Mm. A good story has emotion, whether it's the heartstrings of, oh my gosh, she just had a baby, she's in the this, this studio. Um, it's the snake you just saw that creates a visceral reaction. Every story has an emotional button that gets touched in the the part of the viewer, and then hopefully before the story's over, you give the resolution. Okay, now we're seeing all these crazy things. You were talking about singing. Mm -hmm. Gail, I did a music video, so
0: just... Oh, did you?
10: (laughs) Oh, yes, ma'am. And I didn't get to sing a song that anybody else
0: had written. Uh, oh, God, that's a like moment. Deborah, before. I love looking at all the looks, only because at the time when you're on TV, you look back and you, you're thinking, I look pretty good. That was I'm what you were going for that day. In, yeah, in I know. And then when you look it back at it, when you look at it today, you go, what was I thinking? What
10: was I thinking? Yeah. And why did they let me go out there looking like that? You sort of want to share the blame.
0: So you've got 35 years on the job, 35 years in your marriage. It's the same anniversary. Yeah. yeah. Which has been more fulfilling, more fun? Speaking to the microphone. Oh, it's <laughs> marriage, of course. Because you know what? I have a lifetime contract
10: with Carl Wellner. There I have a however-many-year contract with Inside Edition. Yeah. But I think
0: Well, especially because in a job, we'll all get that call. You know, we're deciding to go in a different direction. Different
10: direction, yeah, it's which not does not include in you. Mar- yes. Yeah. But the thing about, um, I think, how, you last, how a TV show lasts that long or how, yes. how a marriage lasts that long is you don't take the bait. There are times when you could tussle with somebody. There are times when you could get into it with your particular great advice. Where, yeah. you know what, take the long view. Yeah. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Like that song, mm-hmm. let it go. Mm-hmm. And it
1: works. Yeah, and there's no commercial breaks in marriage, even though sometimes we wish there is. Uh, Deborah Norville, thank you for everything. Your contributions <laughs> to media, to am Hi, Mrs. Burleson. And he and didn't culture. mean that. I didn't mean that. I wasn't talking about you, baby. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. So it's January 9th, which is a very special day around here. It should be a holiday um, because it's Gail's <laughs> 11th anniversary at CBS News. Her yellow dress, which she looks yes. beautiful in, yep. may look a little familiar. It's the same dress that she wore on her very first day. And she wears it every year on her anniversary here to mark the occasion. Gail, in addition to the sweet treats that we put right here on this table, we put together a little something to celebrate you. Take a look. Okay.
2: Once a year on CBS, she wears the same yellow dress. Host of CBS Morning. Host of the Sirius XM show, a Gail King in the house. Oprah's bestie, of course. We feel like
8: she's our bestie,
2: too. Gail King!
0: I think Serena said, "Not today, not today." The Windsor Castle, where thousands have gathered, they are waiting for the Queen. What a week! The Queen on Monday, Harry Styles on Wednesday, and it's just no. Wednesday. How hard was it for you to wear that muscle suit, <laughs> Michelle Obama? Hi, uh, this book, the whole time I'm reading it, Secretary Clinton, I'm going, did that happen to her? <laughs> Tell us about
4: the grilled cheese Shaq. It's grilled cheese. You <laughs> the cheese and you, <laughs> great Damn question, Gail. <laughs> <laughs> Has it been easy? Easy.
0: Tell us what it took to defend Johnny Depp. Why didn't you say he shot me? I didn't for some reason I was just trying to protect all of us. It was the most disturbing phone call. I'd ever experienced What was disturbing to you? I'm glad that our coverage is called America Decides, because this is really happening. America, you are deciding. When I first walked in here, Otis, I got goosebumps just walking into this room and all that it represents. You drive this? Yeah. um, Where are you going in that? Okay, deal. Woo!
3: I'll be there. need the king, 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 for life, for life.
0: Cheers. Here's to another. I know. Here's to you have 35, I have 11. Here's to another 11. I hope. I hope. there you go. Happy anniversary. Do I hope another 11? Yeah. Yeah, you I do. Hope another 11. I want to be here. But this is the thing, guys. When these cupcakes came out, I said, Oh, they're so pretty. These came from Whole Foods. I like that. Yeah. The thing, Deborah, about the dress when I put it on this morning, James, our wardrobe guy said, Did you try it on? I go, No, I'm just praying the sweet black baby Jesus that it fits. The seams <laughs> and are it going, fits. Healthy, it looks, stop it, Gail. They they are, it looks going, healthy, good. but it's. it's It's okay, Alex Kramer made this years ago. So
10: so like put on a makeup cake before you eat that cupcake because that frosting color will not come out. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Happy anniversary. Sarah
0: Blakely, I thank you. There you go, Deborah. Thank you, Nate. You're welcome. Thank Thank you, Deborah. That'll do it
3: for us. We'll see you tomorrow on CBS Morning. Welcome
4: to Pura,
2: the most pristine, safe, climate stable city on earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here.